Hey guys, welcome to Rihanna's Lens, where I interact with you about the components in the STEM field and introduce you to fascinating people who passionately inhabit the scientific and technical frontiers of our society. My name is Rihanna Malhotra and I'm absolutely elated to share this podcast with all of you. On this episode, I'm joined by a guest who's a student at University of Toronto studying computer engineering with a minor in AI and business. She's also actively interested in design teams that engineer technologies for the future like AU Toronto, which is U of T's car club that designs level 4 autonomous cars. Some of you may know her as Rihanna's sister, and others who have watched previous episodes may know her as the girl that began asking me what was photosynthesis when I was like two. I'm so glad to welcome and introduce Rihanna Malhotra. Thank you so much for coming on after all that incessant nagging and convincing. Thank you, Rihanna, for that wonderful introduction. I'm so glad to be on your podcast. And um, I've realized that after listening to your multiple episodes of Rihanna's Lens, I should elevate the standard of my questions and ask you more than just, what is photosynthesis? I think that's really good to hear, to know that you're my number one fan, especially. Of course. But I think, yeah, but I think it's my time to ask you questions. So don't steal my thunder. Bring it on. Bring it on, sis. I'm ready to spill some tea. This is your... (laughs) (laughs) The Gen Z conversations. Gen Gen Z colloquial language. You guys can say language or is it lang? (laughs) <laughs> no, it's still language. We don't go that cringy. Right. Okay. Jokes aside, let's get back on topic since this podcast is about STEM. Right. So um, I know that you're extremely passionate about these autonomous cars. So can you begin by explaining what exactly is uh, AU Toronto and what's your role in the team? So AU Toronto is an autonomous car club and uh, it's U of T's only uh, autonomous car team, and we compete in the SAE and General Motors um, self-driving car competition along with eight other college teams. And as of now, we've participated in three legs of the competition, and we have ranked number one in all of those three legs. Um, side brag, but yeah, we've, we've ranked number one in all of those uh, legs. In fact, this summer, that is next month, we will be competing again in the fourth leg of the competition. So fingers crossed for that one. I hope that it goes well. Um, to answer the second part of your question, which is what is my role on the team? I have been on this team for two years now and I have taken up um, several roles from time to time. I think the first role that I took up was actually the lead marketing engineer or the marketing lead, like they call it. So that basically was a starting out role. I still do it, but it was the starting out role that I took on. And what what basically entailed, what was entailed in that role was that um, I had to talk to, I had to manage the interactions of the club within and beyond um, the University of Toronto. 
So it was talking to sponsors, talking to research um, labs, talking to industry professionals, and just getting the word out about um, self-driving cars because it's an, it's an upcoming technology. So just getting the word out about that, that, that's the first role that I took on. The second role that I took on was that of an electrical engineer where I did physical calculations for the car and I did basically testing metrics and electrical hardware. I worked with the electrical hardware for the car. And this year, I hope to take on another role, which is which works with the perception of the car, which is basically how the car sees the world around it. So object detection, image recognition, computer vision. And that's, that's like the peak AI role. That's like your peak AI role. Like that's something every computer engineer dreams of doing at least once in their life. So I'm very glad to be um, hopefully doing that role uh, soon. I think it's really great that you are taking on many roles. You can test your waters in which place you actually want to be in. And also yeah. congratulations for winning in three consecutive years. <laughs> also, yes. um, since, very much. <laughs> since you're part of the team, uh, how do self-driving cars really work? That's a great question. So, well, um, autonomous cars are a combination of a lot of <laughs> technological prowess. So we use a wide array of sensors and software just so that the car can see, the, the car can navigate, and the car can take decisions at its own accord um, on the roads. So it's, it's, it's very difficult to do, to do that, but um, there's a lot that goes into it. So for instance, we have to account for traffic lights. We have to account for the signs on the road. We have to account for lane keeping. Is the car in the same lane that it's supposed to be in, or is it changing lanes? We don't want we don't want to be changed. Uh, we don't want the car to be changing lanes like auto rickshaws do in uh, Mumbai. So we want it to continue going down the same lane that it is, and then detecting objects on the road. If there's somebody crossing um, the road, it shouldn't just bump into that person. It should see that there's, there's somebody crossing the road, even if it's a, it's an animal crossing the road. It should account for that. So these are these are the decisions that we have to take care of um, when we are building a self-driving car. To give you a little bit more information, uh, there are six levels of autonomy that a car needs to reach. So the first level is a very basic, like that's not even like level zero, we call it level zero. So level zero is not even a self-driving car. That's just a car. That's all that it is. Like it doesn't have any systems that are controlled uh, automatically. All the systems are controlled by people. Then we have level one. Level one is where certain systems are autonomous. Now this you see in your day-to-day, -day, like where the brakes are autonomous or like just, just some systems are autonomous. And then you have level two where several systems are autonomous and all of these systems work simultaneously. So the car has achieved the ability to simultaneously um, like automate a lot of its functions. And then you have level three. Level three is where the car passes some more tests and uh, you have a little bit more confidence in the car than you had before, but you're not so confident. Like you're, you're not, so let me give you an, an analogy. So if, if um, so level zero to two, you can take it as a child on a bicycle with um, training wheels. And then level three, you can take it as a child who's recently removed those tra training wheels off the bicycle, but is still taking help of a parent when, um, 
going when going down a road. So the, the, in the same way, level three autonomy is achieved when you have some confidence in the car's abilities, but not as much. So a driver is still in the driving seat and still managing the car a little bit. Like for, for instance, if there's an emergency, then the driver will have to immediately catch hold of the car and um, take on the functions of the road. Uh, then you have level four. Level four is where we are designing right now. So we've achieved level zero, one, two, three. We're at level four. So level four autonomy is will be achieved when most of the testing, most of the tests that we have are cleared. So it, the car passes most of the tests, but um, the, you still lack confidence. Like you're not a hundred percent sure. You can say it's an 80, maybe, maybe 80 is an overreach, maybe 75% sure. And then we have level five where you've worked on everything you've like you've polished every single thing down to the down to the fact that it comes to be a hundred percent perfect that is the dream that is where waymo is working for that is what tesla is working for that's what general motors is working for so all the big shots are working for the same thing that a small team at um, university of toronto is working towards as well I think the people that, that are designing uh, these autonomous cars, it comes with great ethical responsibility to ensure the safety of the passengers that may mm -hmm. um, drive in these cars maybe in the future. Um, so do you also use these sensors to test if all the criteria are working? Um, so we don't use sensors to test per se. Sensors are just to view how, do the, how does the car see? the car sees with the help of these sensors. So these sensors are like radar or LIDAR. If you've seen most self-driving cars have that rotating LIDAR on top, that is how the car sees a 360 degree view of the entire uh, environment it is in. So that's sensor, so let's keep that aside. Talking about testing, well, at, at the University of Toronto, we have our own testing facility called Utias, where we test our car from time to time. So we have we have metrics. So we have um, like we have uh, what is those what are those called traffic lights? We have traffic lights. We have um, traffic signs like the right turn, left turn, U turn, all of those signs. We have the lights, the signs, the um, anything that could be that could be coming on the road. Like I spoke to you about uh, object detection. So if the we have dummies that act like people or animals that might uh, enter. Uh, into the into the car's path so we have all of those testing metrics and we test with those and the car gets tested multiple times every time we add a new feature the car gets tested just to see if it's working and if it doesn't work we continue working on it and now due to covid how do you still test the cars so like mama and papa say that when the going gets tough the tough get going i think that's u of t's motto as well so even though we had a lot of difficulty after uh, post-COVID, we have tried to maintain our functionality. So uh, let me just summarize this in a bit. So U of T is a big research facility. They have, they're, they're big on research. So they can't keep their labs shut for the entire time. They had to open it up. And because the labs had to open up, our testing facilities also had to open up. So they did open up our testing facilities eventually but with some rules and regulations. For instance, one of the rules was that no more than two people can enter a lab at one time. So we have been following those rules. It's been, it's been tough because we've all been working collaboratively and we 
uh, work in big numbers, but uh, we have been adjusting and sort of uh, working our way around it. Um, it's been slow. I wouldn't say it's it's as uh, it's sorry it's as accelerated as it was initially. It's been slow, but we're still doing the best that we can. Uh, yeah, that's right that people are taking more safety precautions, but since everyone's widespread all across the world, um, how do you interact online, like over calls? How do you still test for um, these autonomous cars online? Right, so, um, well, a lot of the team is online, but a lot of them are offline as well. For instance, the natives of um, Canada, they're still, they're still working from the country, uh, from Canada itself. So whoever is in Canada, in Toronto, they go and visit these labs and testing facilities and test the cars while those working online, um, they either get video called or they're um, like, we, we have we have weekly meetings. So those weekly meetings, we uh, show them, show everyone our part of the work, our part of the work that we've done. And the testing, so everybody gives, sends in their work to the people who are there in person. So whoever's in person, they get the work and um, they they put it up in the car. So yeah, it's collaborative, but we're doing it, yeah. So the people online, they uh, must be collaborating and probably giving instructions to the um, people working offline, like the okay, Canadian. That's right. And um, when can we expect to see um, A Toronto's autonomous cars on the road? Um, TBH, not soon, because um, <laughs> there's a lot that goes into making, or there's a lot that goes into making um, a self-driving car, but there's a lot that goes into bringing any technology on the streets or any technology on your hand. Like there's even a mobile phone. I'm pretty sure they went through a lot of thought before giving it to you. So there's a lot of thought that goes into any technology. Um, I think self-driving cars are a little bit more difficult than any technology that, that has come before because um, there's a lot of ethical issues that uh, come into play here. Let me give you an example. So for instance, if you have a self, if there are three lanes, all right, one, two, three, and you have a self-driving car that's in the middle. And then on your right, you have one car and on your left, you have another car. And you know that your self-driving car is bound to have an accident. Whether that accident, now it's up to you whether that accident should happen if it swerves to the right or if it swerves to the left. So how would you, how, how do engineers design for such a situation? Do we design that it should swerve to the left and kill the car on the left? Or do we design that it should swerve to the right and kill the people in the car on the right? How do we take that decision? What are we designing or engineering to kill? We can't take that decision for someone because when you're when a person is driving, it's an instant reaction, it's an instant decision. But we are designing this car to take decisions on the road. How will it take that decision? So this is an ethical issue that comes up, and several more like that that come up when we're talking about um, self-driving cars. And that's the reason why it's not going to be coming up anytime soon. Obviously, we have some technological barriers, but I feel like those still have the ability to get covered up. But the ethical issues are the one ones that gonna that are that are gonna take um, real long. Mm -hmm. I think um, that the entire car is like a 
puzzle piece and when you'll be completing that puzzle piece it's the last piece when you put inside a puzzle <laughs> that sense of satisfaction when you see i am waiting for the day when i see uh, au toronto's autonomous cars on the road i can and i myself will if they if you guys put it on sale i myself will <laughs> buy one of those cars <laughs> when i get older of course <laughs> yeah yeah you and me both were both waiting for um technology to hit that sweet spot where ethical issues don't matter anymore yeah and um you've also taken a minor in ai so what do you think about robots rapidly taking over the world now i definitely don't think robots are uh, taking over the world or will take over the world anytime soon because in my opinion uh technological advancement is horribly slow i had imagined as a child that by 2020 we'll have flying cars and i'm going to be sitting in those flying cars and going places and we're going to have a uh, drone we have drones like okay wait let me say this so we're going to have drones and we're going to have um no no environmental destruction because we would have found some solution i had faith in technology as a child and i remember drawing all of these things out for drawing competitions drawing sci-fi worlds that i wanted to be a part of and i thought oh 2020 that will be done 2050 or we 2050 we would have reached some other level of um, scientific beauty but um i think it's it's horribly slow i don't i'm not complaining but i think uh, i would have loved it if it if technological advancement would be uh, accelerated uh but at the end of the day like i said in my previous answer we have ethical issues so these are people's lives you're injecting people's lives with new technology some of which is not even a quote unquote need right now right like we don't think we don't think it's a need unless you know that it is something that you needed all your life uh but these are something that we're injecting into people's lives and as engineers it's important that we design for people it's important that we design for the greater good of the world we need to design in a way that people are comfortable using the technology technology that they're using and um our tech our technology should, should impact the world and possibly even the universe positively so i think that's what slows down a lot of engineers uh the, the 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 fact that we're at the end of the day designing for people that that's what slows us down but i'm very happy that we are um doing a lot of research on all fronts whether it's agriculture with agriculture you have vertical farms that are being created greenhouses that are highly tech powered so you have such you look at any industry tra- uh, transport self driving cars hydrogen powered cars you have so much happening so so much technological advancement so there's a lot of research going into all of this which uh, makes me very happy and uh, i'd i i'd want to be a part of this research now and for the rest of my life i think uh, like you said that um 2020 was that one year we all thought that uh, there'll be flying cars or robots at everyone's houses mm-hmm. doing uh, giving us a lot of uh benefits but i think 2020 turned the uh, turned the complete opposite instead of rapid uh, technological advances now everything's completely slow in fact everyone's just trapped in their houses due to quarantine due to quarantine so it's really sad how covid just turned our world around but uh, yeah like um 
I think that um, now due to technological advances, I would even consider smart fridges or even the autonomous cars as um, robots in a way. Um, like, um, so like how um, first we had to manually do all this stuff. And now we'll have robots um, doing all those things for us. So do you think uh, that makes yeah. humanity redundant? No, I don't think anything can make humans or humanity at large redundant, or so I hope, because uh, we never want to reach that black mirror level dystopian society. I think um, that's when we reach that level, that is when people and environment suffers. So we sort of want to be like a pendulum where we reach, go to the right, go to the left and suddenly reach a balance. That balance is where that sweet spot is. And I think eventually we will reach that. But don't you think that um, some workers that, um, you know, like how manual workers, don't you think they will get replaced? Yeah, that's also um, an ethical issue that comes up. So yeah, that it's true. A lot of um, people lose their jobs because of capital. You've studied this in economics. A lot of people get uh, replaced. Um, but I think, I think if we work correctly, then it's these technological, big technological names or big technological firms that can again, that, that they will also hire more people. So I feel like it's, it's, it's all round circle. Eventually we will reach a balance um, or so I hope, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't have an answer for that. I don't have an answer for what will happen to the people who go, um, who will get redundant because again, that's an ethical issue and I don't have the answers to the ethical issues yet. I think Hopefully we just- I will reach them. Sorry. I think go we ahead. just probably need to wait and see how everything shapes out to be. Yeah. And um, yeah. And um, are there any uh, projects that you hopefully want to work in the future? Uh, I'm going to be a cool engineer here and say that there's a lot of, uh, there are some projects that I'm working on, but uh, they're confidential. So I don't want to give up a lot of my information right now, but let's just say that big things are coming up soon. I guess we'll never know, guys, then. <laughs> We just have to wait and watch now. And um, after your education, what will your main focus be after you're done with your undergrad? What will your main focus be? Which direction would you like to go towards? Fabulous question. I don't have an answer to this. <laughs> um, well, uh, I think I am still exploring and I want to explore all fronts and all industries just to understand which one best fits me. Um, and which one I enjoy working in the most. So currently both research and industry level work um, interests me and I enjoy engineering as a whole, but one thing's for sure, I definitely want to be a part of designing for the future and designing so that it benefits humanity at large. So that, that's the goal, like that's something I really want to do. Um, but let's see what industry best fits me. Yeah, it all seems so exciting. I'm excited for you. And um, also like, 
that's it for today but um i want to say thank you so much for coming on i see you working really hard on these autonomous cars and everything i think this is most of complimented you but you deserve it and i'm sure you will do great in the uh, future as well since i see you working so hard and leading everyone in your team so nicely but thank you so Thanks. much for coming on uh, is there anything you want to say before we log off Well, I just want to say I've never heard Rihanna compliment me so much. All I hear every day is, "Didi, why are you doing this? Didi, why are you doing that?" So I'm just glad that uh, this podcast gave her an opportunity to compliment the best. Yeah, yeah, probably uh, the last <laughs> time, but okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I just, I'm just so thankful that we had this discussion. I'm glad that. Um, we had a discussion about engineering, and we got some great insights. So, good luck with your podcast. I'm very happy that you've opened something that is STEM related. I think it's great. You're encouraging people your age and girls your age, especially. I think we need women in STEM. So, thank you for that. Yes, so definitely, I completely agree. And just to let all of you know, this podcast is now available on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker. Radio Public and Pocket Casts. Make sure you subscribe to all listening platforms. And thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye.